our parable today. If, you, if you're new to us, uh, what we've been doing since the first Sunday in, in November is to show how everything has changed because of Advent, because of the coming of Christ our Lord, and that he told us how it changed in the parables. The parables aren't about some moral tale that uh, we all wrap it up at the very end of it. It's not about one day pie in the sky life. It's about how the universe changed when Jesus arrived. Today, the parable is found in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold we got to sign, we gotta let him know about Dave Ramsey or something, um, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had occurred, that had happened. Then a master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay all that he owed. And that's how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whoa. This never makes it to VBS. <clears throat> Forgive or you'll be tortured. You know, that sort of thing. It's, it's, no, no. We'll sell your wife and kids, not just your least favorite, all the kids. Right? We'd, we don't do that. Now, you can look at this and say, what a horrible story. This was their world. It is the world in many places in the, in the world today. That if you are in debt and you cannot pay, they put you in prison till you can pay it back. Well, how are you going to pay it back in prison? That's the thing. You can't. And so the wife and the kids are often sold, either really sold into slavery. Happened Mali, Mauritania. I just, we can just keep naming countries where this takes place. Or you have sold their lives because now they don't have a life. They've got to work at horrible jobs for almost nothing trying to pay off your debt the rest of their lives. It's awful. But it was reality. And it happens here. Uh, I won't go into great details here. I'll just say that the American justice system punishes the poor. Somebody gets a, a parking ticket because they, they were late to work. They parked there. They're trying to make every penny. And then all of a sudden, the state hits them with this, and they're saying, well, I can only pay this much. Well, then the, the fine gets higher. Well, then you, you have a hard time doing that. Then there's a boot on the car, or they tow it. And every day there, the fines go up. People who are middle class have no concept of this. 
but they can start with a $25 fine and owe thousands in a couple of weeks, and there's no way to pay it. None. No, no wonder, then, that a, a little Facebook show about the tiniest state in America has become extremely po uh, po um, popular, called Caught Live in Providence. And there's a judge who deals with traffic issues, and you see him working with the poor, hearing their stories, forgiving debts, and people are just, we, we've got to see this. We've got to see how he works it. You can look it up yourself if you'd like. But this is a horrible situation. It is in our streets. It's within a few blocks of here. And if our eyes are closed to this, then we're in trouble in this story. We're in big trouble. This, there, are, there are a couple of reasons why Jesus tells this story. He has told us before, twice, if you want to go to heaven, here's what you do. You feed the hungry, you clothe the poor, and he puts in there, you visit those in prison. Well, why would he say that? Because it wasn't safe to visit people in prison. We were in Panama just on a pleasure trip. It wasn't, you know, I don't want to be dramatic here and say we we're down there to save the country. Uh, we were just trying to get warm. We lived in the Detroit area, and we heard snow didn't hit there. So we went there. And in the bus across uh, to where we were going to be, I don't remember if it was roadworks or a bad red light, but we were hung up for just three or four minutes. We looked over there, and there was this horrible-looking building and a whole bunch of people sitting outside. I think it was somebody else that asked the driver, not me, saying, um, what is that? And he said, well, that's our prison. So the next question, I didn't ask because I already knew then, who are the people outside? In most countries, when you're put in prison, you don't eat, you don't have clothes, you don't have medicine unless it's brought to you from outside. If you don't have a family, you don't have anything. And it, it truly is hell on earth. And so you would have to go as a family, you become their family. You go and take care of these people. You give them clothes, you give them medicine, you give, and you give them friendship, even though they're in prison. And that was the second dangerous thing Authorities took note of who came to prison to visit and who showed mercy to whom. It was not safe in culture or with the authorities to do this. And Jesus said, do it anyway. Why? Because I forgave big debts with you. You do it to them. If you've read any Dickens novel, and if you haven't, I'll, I'll admit that they're heavy going for many. Now, not... Uh, a Christmas Carol, if you haven't read that, that's some of the cleverest, funniest writing ever. Far better than any of the movies. It's short. You'll love it. But the other ones, oh my goodness. There is misery upon misery upon misery, pain, injustice. Why? Dickens would walk every day, and Dickens was not a pleasant man, uh, so I'm not making him a saint here. But as he'd walk to work every day, ships in a harbor that were prison ships, debtors' prisons. They're never getting off. And it's horrible. You'd see them put on prison, uh, prison ships to ship off to Australia or to the, the Americas, to Georgia. That was originally a, uh, a British penal colony. It's a little better now. Um, but that's, 
that's what it was. Uh, Governor Oglethorpe, that was his job to set it up. If you read, you will know the terrible straits of anybody who owed anybody money. They could grab you on the street. You had no ability to, to fight or call the authorities. You were taken. You were slave or you were prisoner. And that's not that long ago in Western civilization history. The Jews had systems in place. And several times in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they, they were told, this is how you must treat debts and debtors. And, and the respect you've got to show them. If they gave you something um, as, as, a, as a lien, in other words, you have this until we pay you back, if it was something they needed, like a coat, you had to bring it back to them every night to let them have it. And then you take it away in the warmth. But you could not lord over them just because they owed you money. The Jews were pretty much the only society I know of with any kind of safeguards like this. And the sad thing is, we don't really see a whole lot of times that they, they, they followed through as they should have. Like we don't follow through the way we should have. Uh, they're not worse sinners than us. Come on. The fact is, wives were sold children were sold because of debt. And so Jesus comes with this story. But did you notice how it started? It started with the word therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. So you look right above it. So let's take a look. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to Jesus. Peter's trying to get in good with the teacher. And said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I know some versions say seven times 70. It's hard to figure that one out. But you don't need to because it's not a number. It's a concept. Seven can be a real number. We know about ordinals and all that sort of thing. But the Jews used numbers as a shorthand we do that as well, but far more obliquely. I'll, I'll see you in a few days. It was a couple of days ago. We don't use those legalistically. They used numbers as concepts. And seven basically meant completely until you couldn't do it anymore. So Peter's saying, should I just keep forgiving them until I just don't have any more forgiveness in me? And he thought he was being good. Because come on. Let's play it with, as if it's a real number. If you mess with me seven times and I forgive you seven times, I'm looking pretty good. You're not. But I, on the other hand, I'm shining. It's the only reason I'm friends with you. So I can, I can have an illustration of my grace and greater righteousness. And then Jesus looks at him and goes, no, 77 times. That shut down all discussion. Because that's not even a number to them. That is a, you are in the business of forgiving now. Jesus is here. You are not in the forgiveness of stuffing every grievance into your backpack and carrying it around and acting like you're one big bruise and every word and every action is going to make you hurt. No. Jesus is here. We do forgiveness. Now, don't shut your ears because forgiveness has aspects to it that we're going to get to. So please keep listening. I know that some of you have been wronged 
in horrific, felonious ways. I'm not discounting that. We're going to talk about that. So hang in there. Look at Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Have you noticed a, a lot of the parables and a lot of the teachings are about don't hurt God's reputation. That, that's kind of important. The way we put ourselves out there. Uh, at the art crawl, it, it's just amazing. The people would come in. All, I didn't, oh me of little faith, I didn't think they'd come up those big grand steps into the Greek columns not knowing what was next. But they did. I would stand here and I'd see people coming in looking around. I'd never seen them before. Start talking to them. They're open. They're listening. At the parade yesterday, I don't go to parades because people are in them, but my, my, one of my grandsons was, was in the parade, therefore it's mandatory. There's, uh, I was told it's part of the Constitution. So, went there, and I was really surprised. There were churches that had floats. And I'm thinking, we're just there. So we're going to have one next year. We're going to. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, but it's going to be better than theirs. I was looking down the, the way, and, and one was coming and just had a big thing said Jesus. And I went, huh. Well, he told us he was coming, but well played, Jesus. Well played. We were not looking for you on the back of a tractor. That's, <clears throat> who am I to question? When we open our arms and tell people love lives a half block from here, just come over. You, you'll be forgiven here. That's so powerful, but it's also offensive. I'm aware of that. We're going to get to it. Hang in there. We, however, regardless of how tough it is or offensive, we do have an obligation to enter this job. Take a look at this, uh, John chapter 20. If you forgive, in, what, look at this, look at this carefully. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus didn't come here for us just to fawn and sing songs to him. He said, no, you've got a job to do. You do what I do. I go around forgiving. That's your job. I've heard it all my life. Well, you can't forgive anybody else their sins. And then I read John. And I went, well, that's different. So how does this work? Well, before the early church, by the way, believed this. Look at James chapter 2. Verse 13, because, oh, this is scary. James is like going to a doctor when you know he's going to hurt you. You got to go, but it's going to hurt. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I was actually running that verse and the Romans 15, 7 verse in my head over and over as I tried to get in for the Franklin art crawl and the tree lighting and all that sort of thing because the entire world was here and they were frankly in my way the same the next day as we're as we're coming in for the parade we're looking at these streams of people coming on I've looked at Cami and I said I've seen zombie movies like this it does not end well so we just try to outrun anybody that doesn't have brains I guess I'm not sure how that works I haven't really paid attention 
And look at Matthew chapter 6. This is how you pray. Forgive us our debts as. Ugh. That little two-letter word there. That's killer. Forgive as we've forgiven our debtors. And then later, he'll circle around back to this. And look at this. Same, same chapter at the end of it. Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wait. That's not what I was expecting. I was expecting when I read this. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father will forgive them. That's not what he said. If you forgive them, God will forgive you. Our forgiveness is based on our giving forgiveness. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the cosmic contract. This is what God has established. And you don't have to like it. And frankly, sometimes I don't. I like forgiving people, but there are sometimes I'd like to hang on to the anger a little bit more. And I'm not allowed to. I am under orders not to. Well, it's significant then that this parable of the unforgiving servant comes right after these teachings on grace and mercy and peace in the longest sustained teaching section of the book of Matthew. And he hits it again and again and again. It's like beating a drum, driving it into our hearts. Because it's going to take that. It is. Now, what does forgiveness not mean? Let's see. And this is a horrible situation, all right? So if this has ever happened to any of you, I didn't know it, I don't, I'm, and I apologize. And you can come up to me later, and I'll ask you to forgive me. Fair enough? But let's say our kids were little again, we, we little babies, as we call them, and we hired you to be our babysitter. And we found out via, I don't know, hidden camera, whatever, that you had hurt them, abused them in some way or the other, sexually, neglect, whatever it was. That's criminal. So you're, you're, you're going to have to face the criminal uh, penalties for this. If we go to you and say, we forgive you, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences in society for what you did. It doesn't mean that I have to hire you back as a babysitter. Forgiveness does not mean you have to reestablish everything the way it was. Some things are broken, and the scripture refers to those. What we are doing when we forgive is not saying, well, let's pretend it didn't happen. What we're saying is what um, Stephen did in Acts 7, whenever they killed him. Let's take a look at Acts 7, verse 59, 60. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. What we are doing is saying, I'm not going to carry this. I'm not going to carry you around in hate in my heart. I'm not going to hope that God hurts you. I am telling God, this one, don't hold against them on my account. I'm letting it go. But it doesn't mean if you've been hit, if you've been raped, if you've been harmed, that you don't press charges. Listen to me carefully. I'm a man who loves to love people. I do. And I know my reputation as an introvert means it seems I love you at a distance. Fair enough. Friends, that's not, that doesn't hurt you. I look better from a distance. 
but I am a man of peace who is able to wage war if I have to, even at my advanced age. I know how. And I've talked to pacifists before who sincerely question my Christianity because if somebody broke into my home and I have the ability, I will stop them. And they'll say, but you're supposed to love everybody. Oh, I do. Well, how can you love that person if you're harming them? I don't love only them. I love the people behind me. I have to protect the ones behind me. So, if somebody stole my car or somebody came in and beat me up and the like, am I going to press charges? Yes. Why? Not because I want them to pay for what they did to me. It's because if I don't, they are loose to do it to another. I have to protect the other. And so we go to court. We go to, and and it, it's painful. But when they're in prison, if you can't go see them, which I can understand, people, Romans, Paul put it this way, if it is possible, and as much as it lies with you, live in peace with all men. Did you notice two qualifiers? Sometimes you're not going to be able to. Send somebody else to visit them. Make sure that they're given the opportunity to see love, and you forgive them and walk on. And that's, that's not that simple, is it? That walking on, forgiving, that's a process. It's not an event. So forgiveness doesn't mean they're not going to hurt. Forgiveness means I'm not going to let you hurt me over that anymore. No, you don't have that power anymore. You are released. We forgive sins against us. But John says we can forgive their sins. Now, does that mean, for example, that I can forgive America's sins for the slave trade? No. That was long before I was born. Now, the consequences of that are still here. There's no question that it, there's a societal stain that has warped many things about us. But I can't forgive that because I wasn't there. What it means is this. If you and I talk and you tell me of a great sin you have done, we can sit and pray. And if you are repentant, I have every right to say because I'm an ambassador of Christ, as are you. All baptized believers are also priests, according to Peter. To put my hands on you and say, you are forgiven. You've repented. Now, if there is something you must do to make amends to another party for what you did, let's go do it. You're not off the hook for damage you caused. We're removing the guilt. You will not face that on Judgment Day, but until then, we need to clean up the mess. Do you understand that then? So people think of forgiveness as this way or this way. There's a lot of room in here. And a lot of it applies for you, what you can do, how you can handle it takes works, it takes work rather, for us to do this. It's not my natural, it's not my go-to, it may be for you, because I've met people that it is, and I'm just going, wow, I want to be that person. I want to learn to be that person. But it is a discipline to learn to forgive others. Now, back in the day, we didn't have the internet, uh, so we had bumper stickers. So when they followed you, they would know what your politics were. 
what church you went to, the food you liked, and how you felt about your dog. Some people still do this. Most of them uh, are driving four-year-old Subarus, I've noticed. But they're there. They're there, right? Now, I always get in trouble with that, but it's all right, because most people drive Subarus or pacifists, so they're not coming at me. Uh, it's, it's all right. But it used to be a big deal. Churches would hand every member a, you know, the Churches of Christ salute you, or come, you know, have you found Jesus? He only exists at this church. You know, that sort of thing, right? I would always refuse to put it on my car. And people would go, well, are you ashamed of Jesus? No, I'm ashamed of me. I, I make mistakes. I do wrong things. I don't want them to blame Jesus for me. But while I'm also in my car and somebody makes a mistake in front of me, I need to forgive them the way I want to be forgiven. It's a burden to forgive, but it also releases burdens. You see how this works? Nothing's free in the universe. Everything has a cost. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? In other words, if you're not salty, when you're supposed to be salty, what's your point? And if you're not Christ in the situation, when that is what you were meant to be, what's the point? Advent has come. Now we forgive. That's who we are. Sure, we protect, but we forgive. Both things can be done at once. If you don't believe that, start reading World War II memoirs and Vietnam memoirs of soldiers who went back and made friends with those who captured them and tortured them. It can be done. I want to move on to a great story now out of Luke chapter 40. But I want to set it up a bit. And please, the slide's fine, right where it is. Jesus did a lot of things I wouldn't do. A Pharisee came to him and said, I'd like to invite you out to dinner. And Jesus said, okay, I wouldn't have done that. Pharisees don't get along well with Jesus. But he went. That's interesting. It's also instructive. It shows me I need to adjust an attitude. So he goes to the Pharisee's house. And it, normally when you ate back then, if you had enough you know, people around, you didn't eat inside because that was hot. And the kitchen's outside. Anyway, that's where you cook. So there'd be a courtyard. We're assuming there might even have been a wall around this thing because he seems to have been a man of means. So Jesus is out there. They're out in public. You know, people can see you. And they're reclining at table because back in the day, they felt that it was unhealthy to eat standing up or sitting. So you had to slide down. It was science. Don't argue with this. So, and then the feet were angled away from the table because they were feet. And you're walking around barefoot and sandals and dust and dirt and donkey exhaust, let's just say. So your feet would be away, right? So you're eating there. The poor, because of the Jewish rules, were allowed to come and line the walls, but not make a scene, not say or do anything. Whenever you're done at table and you walk away, they could come eat anything left. That's the rules. Well, while Jesus is there with this robust and um, very reverent assembly of righteous people, there is a prostitute who's crying at the wall. She didn't, it's very possible she didn't want to be a prostitute. That this is the only way to feed her babies now that her husband is dead or gone. It was a bad, bad time. 
In her tears, she breaks from the wall. She breaks the rules. She comes over and she falls on, at, at Jesus' feet and starts crying on him. She's wiping it with hair and just, and Jesus doesn't say anything. Now, I love this story for a lot of reasons. One of them is, we're always the wrong person in the story. When we read the story, we think, look at Jesus. He's good, those mean Pharisees. Serious, seriously. All right. Next week, let's say I'm up here speaking. Don't any of you dare do this. If it just unfolded this way. That a very famous area prostitute, the doors go open. Safety team's having a nap, eating a donut around the corner or something. And she comes right up, knocks me backwards into a chair, pulls off the shoes and socks and starts crying and kissing my feet. How many people in this room are going to be going, oh, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. This is a holy thing. You'll be going, and you'll be throwing communion on me or something. We've got to do an exorcism. This is horrible. We're the bad people in the story. Please remember this. Going on and on. Jesus talks about that ungrateful servant. Jesus does all of that. And then he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he tells a story. Tell me, teacher, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed them 500 denarii. I've had people say, how much was one of those? Doesn't matter. Another one, 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt to both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon says, I suppose the one, I suppose. People, anytime I work in a church, if I, go do, if I go do a youth rally, I'll say, who was the mother of Jesus? People go, Mary? They always assume there's a trick. No, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus. Ding, ding, ding. Then he turned toward the woman, one of the funniest lines in all of Scripture. And said to Simon, do you see this woman? That's all anybody had been looking at for the longest time. They're dying. They don't want their wives to hear about this. And the neighbors are walking. The neighbors are going back and forth. And I bet they're getting a crowd. And he goes, she happened to notice this woman. I came into your house. You, you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. I'm cool with that, by the way. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. By the way, everybody in the room knows that perfume she used for her profession. Jesus is saying, I'm cool with it. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore... Therefore, look what it was there for. I tell you, her many sins, look at this tense, have been forgiven as her great love has shown. He already forgave her. Because that's what we do. We forgive. It's what we do. It's who we are. Therefore, he goes, but whoever has been, there we go, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven a little, loves a little. Mm. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Did you miss the section where she went down and delineated all of her sins and explained how hurtful she'd been to so many people and how she was going to change her life from there? No, it's not in there. We don't wait to forgive. We forgive. 
the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? Even forgive sins. Didn't they go to Bible class? I added that bit. Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Wow. Go in peace. He didn't even tell her, you got to change your life because in some instances, people, you're not going to like this. In some instances, you don't have a choice how your life is going to go. Sometimes you don't have choice. And maybe she didn't. And he's saying, I get it. My grace, as we sang, is enough. I'll cover you. It's all right. Think about that. If you don't like Jesus after this story, you're a bad person, but I forgive you. (laughs) There are consequences, but I forgive you. Mark, would you bring your team up? I want to keep talking about that story. Please read the story in Luke 7. Please look and see what Jesus is like, what he has done. And then remember what he said. Do this. Follow me. We are the people who forgive. Would you please stand? The admonition for this week is a very simple one to say, but brutal to live out. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you.